Welcome to the Daily Writer Podcast, where we bring you tips and inspiration each day to help you build habits for writing success. For more resources, including your free Daily Writer Starter Kit, visit dailywriterlife.com. Many of my writer friends not only create their own content, they also do client work such as editing, writing articles, or ghostwriting books. And as you probably know, I'm a full-time ghostwriter myself. So I'm excited to share this conversation with Paul Klein, who's a business consultant and entrepreneur and host of the Pricing is Positioning podcast. From his days as a 1980s hairband guitarist, he's been a lifelong entrepreneur. He has experience starting and scaling a successful software as a service company, as well as consulting with some of the biggest brands in the world, including Target, Neiman Marcus, Starbucks, Holiday Inn, and other global brands. Paul helps consultants, freelancers, and solopreneurs price their services and stop undercharging so they can build their seven-plus-figure businesses. So if that's got your attention, then you're definitely in the right place because Paul is an amazing guy. He and I have a lot of mutual friends, but it was great to finally meet him in person over the summer when he was a guest speaker for the Empire Builders Mastermind meeting, which was in Franklin, Tennessee back in June. So Empire Builders is a mastermind that I'm a part of, and it's led by my business and writing coach, Honoré Quarter. And like Paul, Honoré knows a ton of people, and so it was finally great to get to meet Paul in that really cool context. Well, in this conversation here on today's episode, I get to ask Paul all my questions related to pricing strategies that can help us increase our rates as writers. And you're going to learn the best ways as a service provider to increase your income and use price anchoring to set the conversation about your rates. Every writer can increase their revenue rates and engagements when we implement the simple pricing strategies that Paul talks about. And by the way, before we get to the conversation, I want to let you know that Paul is also the founder of Visible.tv. It's kind of like Netflix for entrepreneurs. This is a streaming service that features docu-series, interviews with entrepreneurs, live streams, Visible TV University, and much more. So I have a special code in the show notes that you can use to get seven days of Visible TV free. So make sure and take advantage of that. It's really, really something cool. All right. With that said, let's get to my conversation with the amazing Paul Klein. Paul, I'm so thrilled to have you here on the Daily Writer Podcast. We met a few weeks ago at Honorary Quarter's Empire Builders Mastermind event in, in uh, Franklin, Tennessee, and it was really fun to meet you in person. So thanks for being here on the podcast virtually. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kent. Honored to be here. And uh, yes, Honoré is great. And I think we were technically friends on Facebook for many think, years. I'm pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> so, But it's always better to meet people in person. I like I like that better. Well, I've been following your journey with Visible TV for the last pr- probably at least year or so. I mean, you've that's been up and running for quite a while, hasn't it? Well, yeah, it, it the idea was launched in October, um, September, October of last year. Last year, and okay. So I started talking about it in October, so we're almost up on a year. But uh, yeah, we just launched in January, so uh, hasn't quite been that long, but it does feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know there's uh, an absolute ton of work that goes on behind the scenes to produce something that's so high quality. And also, I know you're filming these in person, so you're probably doing a lot of traveling, <laughs> lots of other crazy things that are involved in a really high quality production like this. So yeah, glad to have you here. I'm excited about our conversation. Absolutely. So I wanted to have you on today because we do have a lot of people in our audience who are doing client work, whether it's ghostwriting, editing, freelance work, developmental editing, whatever the case might be. I'm doing that as well as my listeners probably are already aware of. 
And when you did that session at, at Honoré's event, I really loved your thinking about pricing strategies and it really impacted me. So I'd love to dive into some of that here today because I think that's going to be really valuable to our listeners as well. So let me start out with this question. Um, what is the number one mistake that limits most writers' income? And I know it's not limited just to writers, but to people doing client work as well. But I know you talk about this this really critical mistake. What is that? And can you give us some uh, some guidance with this? Yeah, number one uh, absolute thing that will hold you back from those higher rates and the and the revenue that you want is hourly billing. <laughs> and, and, uh, Everybody in the expertise space, whether they're doing client work or consulting or any, anything where you're getting paid for what's in your mind, um, the first mistake they make uh, is they start talking about what their hourly rate is. And that immediately ties your clients and equates uh, the value in your in the client's mind to uh, being just a, a doer, a tasker, a, a, you know, a uh, uh, you know, a, a um, what do they call it? A commodity, basically, right, you know, and not right. really positioning you as a true expertise or expertise uh, practitioner of your craft. And so getting as far as away can, uh, you can from billing by the hour, um, hourly billing was invented in the, you know, late 1900s by the legal profession. Actually, it might even be in the 1800s. <laughs> you know, we've gone through a couple of century turns here. Yeah. Uh, but it was way back by the legal profession. And and uh, and then with the uh, advent of the industrial revolution, um, you know, and the factory, you know, Ford and everything of that all developed, that all you know was very conducive to the factory um, and uh, hourly billing concept. But if you look at today's information age and where we are in the information re revolution or the creator revolution, as we like to call it, um, you think things have changed a bit where hourly billing might not be as conducive. You think things have advanced enough. And so that's what I like to teach is, you know, the, the quicker you can get away from that. Cause um, two things can't, it puts a cap on the amount of um, income you can, you can make it a day. Even if you're charging a thousand dollars an hour, you work, you work um, eight hours a day, that's $8,000. But if you're providing your client 50 or a hundred thousand dollars in value, you know, you should be able to make 18 grand a day or, or yeah. 28 you know, or whatever. And so, and then the second thing is it automatically puts you at odds with your clients. So you have this, I, I know our, your crowd and and the people, the circles we run in Kent, we're ethical and, and we wouldn't ever do anything like this, but it, it, there's a subliminal thing. If I take longer to do this, I'm going to make more money. And then right. your clients have the converse of the opposite of that is I want you to hurry up and get it done because it's going to cost me more money. So it puts you at odds with your clients immediately. And when you can move to a, a value-based pricing and, and focusing on value and the outcomes of your clients, boom, your, uh, your rates will increase and your clients will be happier. And it's just so much better place to be. So let's say someone is very motivated to move toward what you would call value-based pricing as opposed to hourly. Do you find that as you talk with people, does the psychology of the person offering the services how how much does that play into going toward more of a value-based pricing uh, model? And I guess what I'm asking is, is there an element to where we need to just have more value of ourselves? We've got to be confident we are worth what we're charging in order to do that. Absolutely. Uh, Alan Weiss says it best. You know, the first sale is to yourself. And if you don't believe in your products and services, neither will your clients. So you you may want to charge $10,000 for a consulting or a writing package. 
but in your heart and if and if and if your men, your mindset is such that you only think you're worth 1500 or 1000 hmm. you're never going to hit that 10000 and it's not about getting over on your clients or or just trying to use some uh you know um uh uh you know, ninja mind trick on your clients. It's really, truly shifting that concept from selling to your own wallet to looking and serving your clients in the best that you can and what the value of your service brings to that client. Um, one of the gentlemen I learned from and love, Blair Enns, in the book, Pricing Creativity, he was on my podcast. He talks about uh, pricing your, your um, pricing the client, not your service. You know, so what you hmm. charge client A, which my, in my case, I've worked with Starbucks and uh, Yum Brands and Cracker Barrel. You know, I've worked with a lot of Fortune 500 brands. What I charge them is way different than what I charge a mom and pop. I've worked with mom and pops um, in my local town. And the value is different from a Fortune 500 company to a mom and pop that just has a single mm. coffee shop. And so when I when I go into that type of a, an expertise consulting position, I, I look at the client and I don't sell my wallet, but I look at the value I, I bring. I, I might be doing the same service for the Fortune 500 as I'm doing for the um, mom and pop, but I'm looking at the value to the mom and pop and I know, okay, I'm not going to be able to charge a six-figure contract with them because it's just not, that's hmm. not it. But but there is value to be, uh, to, to provide there. And I mean, and if my service is good fit, then, um, then, the, then it, then we move forward. But uh yeah, I always my podcast used to be called "Pricing is Positioning," and your pricing does position you for those higher rates. And it all starts with your mindset. And um, you know, you're not selling to your own, not selling to your own wallet, and making sure you um, you uh, are looking at your client's value uh, first. Do you think that that should it should always be a part of our, I guess, what I would call our client portfolio, where all things being equal, we have some high ticket clients who can really afford you know, that they, they can afford it. Uh, and we are adding great value to their business or whatever it is that we're doing. But then there's also an element to where we do things for people who we're, we're adding value to them, but it's a different pricing level, or maybe even we're doing pro bono work. So for example, I'm doing, um, it's not ghostwriting. I'm doing editing and, uh, some book design stuff for a pastor who, you know, they work at a really small church. There's no way they could afford my services if I was going to be charging them for that. But I'm doing kind of a one-off project is just a pro bono thing. Do you, do you find that it's helpful to have kind of a mix of things in our client portfolio like that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's good to have a variety and, and I've done a, and do pro bono work too. And, um, you know, sometimes it's just the right thing to do, the right situation, somebody you want right. to help, you know, if you've been blessed um, and have the margin. And that's the nice thing about once you you do you do achieve those higher rates, you have more financial and time margin. So you can take on some pro bono. And usually what I do is I'll say, I'll take one or two pro bono clients per month, you know, and anything above that, I have to, you know, decline or say, hey, maybe in a couple okay. months, uh, we'll have an opening. But um, but yeah, having, having a variety is good, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't so much look at what your clients can afford, whether it's the pro bono person or, you know, the million dollar, uh, person that wants to, you know, or, or if Oprah comes to you, look at what the value is that your service is going to provide them. So okay. whatever pain point you're solving and in your case, um, Kent, you're a ghostwriter. So if Oprah comes to you and, you know, and, and, and you know, that, that book is going to make her millions of dollars your fee is going to be closer to that value that you're right. helping her achieve. Right. Even though she could afford, 
you know, even a $25,000 book, she's not going to pay that for a ghostwriter. She's going to pay, you know, high six figures because that book's yeah. going to make her multi-millions. And so same thing on a scale down level, you might have a client that's, um, uh, you know, that, that your book's going to help them increase their um, coaching practice, you know, because it's going to bring more authority and they're going to get, you know, 10 more coaching clients per year based on this book. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and look at that. What are they charging for the coaching? You know, if we get them 10 more clients per year, what does that, what's that number look like? Now we can position our, our fee closer okay. to those gains. Okay. That totally makes sense. And by the way, Oprah, if you're listening, <laughs> I'm always available for a conversation. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there for whatever it's worth. You never know who listens to your podcast. Law of attraction. Why not? Why not? So one thing that I'm curious about, and and I think a lot of our listeners who are doing client work are curious about this as well, is how do you know what to charge for your services? Because, you know, in my line of work, for example, with ghostwriters, there are super inexpensive ghostwriters. Then there's, like you mentioned, super expensive ghostwriters on the high six figures. And maybe I'm sure there's ghostwriters who get over a million dollars per project. I don't know any of those people personally, but I'm sure they're out there in the range of things. How, how, how do we know where to position ourselves along that, that kind of pricing continuum? How do we know the value that we're bringing to the marketplace? Yeah, I think, I think uh, I've gotten this question, a lot of different verticals and my answer is the same because success principles are transferable. Okay. <laughs> as a friend Dan Miller would say. And, and that is um, when you focus on the value to your client, it doesn't matter what the market will bear or matters what everybody else is doing. Okay. You have a relationship with that person and you're bringing that value to that person. And so again, price the client, not your service. And so if you're bringing and, and, and to, to kind of give you some numbers to help you with that, I mean, certainly, you know, in your industry, okay, things range from 15 grand to a hundred grand for this type of service. Um, you can start yeah. there as just kind of a benchmark, but don't stay there. Look at the client and the and the value you're bringing, and it's not uncommon in the consulting circles to um, to get a um, a ten twenty percent and even higher up to forty percent of what um, a, a fee for um, your service if it's going to gain them. Um, you know, uh, additional revenue or cost savings. So let's okay. say you have a solution that will give a revenue gain of a hundred thousand dollars or cost savings of a hundred thousand dollars. So it's a hundred thousand dollar value that your solution or expertise will provide 10% and even 20% of that. So it's 10 grand to 20 grand of that hundred grand, um, increase in revenue to that client is, is a very reasonable, um, fee. I mean, I, I don't know about you, you can't, but I would, I would give you 20 grand right now if you can make me a hundred <laughs> on a stock market. So that, and when you think in that kind of aspect, like investing and ROI and things in the business space and, um, and especially for ghostwriters. And that's what I love about our friend, uh, Nick Pavlidis, who's, uh, who's you, know, you know, he's a great guy. He talks, talks about that same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's all about where do you want to be in three years? And, and what are those, what are those things that you can achieve in your business that the book's going to help you? And when you, when you do that, that's now your fee can be close to that. So if that's a, that's a $50,000 um, gain in coaching or, or credibility, whatever it is, then 10 to 20% of that, if it's 500,000, 10 to 20% of that is a great place to uh, it's a great margin. You know, it's, it's a very easy sell. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I love the way that you're talking about this because so oftentimes with client work, it's easy to just say, well, 
this is what I charge and and this is just what I charge and there's no yeah. more thought put into it. So I, I love the way that that you're giving us a different way to think about this, which is which is adding more value to people and and pricing according to that value instead of just having a hard and fast price that we just have. Exactly. That's the key to value-based pricing. <laughs> now, what about what about listing information on our websites? So I don't have my pricing listed on my website in terms of ghostwriting, but I know other ghostwriters do. What What's your take on if we should list pricing on our website and how much information we should give? Yeah, generally, I don't recommend it for expertise-based, higher-end, high-ticket consulting you know, or, or high ticket ghostwriting or writing as this crowd would, would know to be. I mean, that's, that's the more, or another way to say it is the more time and sensitive time sensitive or the more involvement that it takes you, the, the less likely that price should be on your webpage. Okay. Because that's your, that's your premier product. That's your high end your high ticket. And, and you want to have that conversation because it, it, it doesn't do any good just to have, say, oh, I'm, I'm, I charge $50,000 for everybody. No, get in, you know, it's all about a relationship at those levels and people don't just click buy now unless you're Elon Musk with tw Twitter, but that's a whole <laughs> and, but then um, you back but, out. Yeah. <laughs> so I changed my mind. Yeah. Buyer's remorse. <laughs> but most people aren't going to buy those, you know, and when I say high ticket, I mean, generally anything uh, five figures or above, you know, um, is, is, is very high ticket uh, in okay. most circles. And some people would say more than $2,500, but at any case, those kinds of, you know, five, 10, 15, $20,000 packages generally aren't going to just get a click and buy. It's going to be a relationship. So don't put them on uh, your web page. Now, if you have productized services or things that are, um, you know, online courses, masterminds, e-products, you know, absolutely. You, you've got to have those on there. And that's having a, a, a good balance of products and services to help round out your income stream. But your higher end expertise-based products, the only time I wouldn't recommend you do that on your web page, but the only time I might say that is if you're so busy that you can't keep up with any work, then what you might do is is on your web page under your high ticket say high ticket you say ghostwriting services minimum level of engagement is fifty thousand. Okay. And what that'll do is that at least get the tire kickers and the looky loose from calling you and, and right. bogging down. Um, and then if you get too busy, then you can take that off and and open up your uh you know your uh your site your uh your online form or whatever, but all about relationship and, um, and, um, and conversations at this level. That makes sense. And I, I want to follow that up um, with a question about, okay, what happens when, when you want to add some different options for your pricing? And I've heard you talk about this before. Um, and I think this is a really interesting concept, particularly for people who are doing things like ghostwriting or editing uh, freelance writing, because, for me, it has been easy to get locked into, okay, I have, I have kind of one thing that I do. I do a book for you and it has a specific price to it. And that's kind of it. But I've heard you talk about the importance of having three different pricing options. How would that work specifically for something like ghostwriting? Are there some specific things that, that I would remove out of that or add into it that would create just a, a better overall system for both me and the client? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, 
you know, for those who have not heard of Goldilocks pricing or good, better, best pricing, you see all the brands doing it. You know, you go to the car wash, you've got the basic, the deluxe and the Supreme, you know, they come out and all the foam comes on, you know, you get all the extra, you know, the the laser lights and all that stuff, you know, and, and so all the brands do it. You you go to Southwest, you have want to get away and business select. You've got three options. You go to McDonald's, you've got, you know, so all of that works and it all is based in what's called behavioral economics or um, pricing psychology. And it's not, you know, again, it's not about getting over on the clients. It's about empowering your clients to make the best value decision for them. Okay. And when you give your clients pricing um, options, the um, conversation in your client's mind becomes, you know, not if I'm going to work with Kent, but how I'm going to work with Kent. Okay. And that's a very big shift. When you just give a single price, I'm going to do a ghostwriting book for $15,000. It's a guy giving them an ultimatum. They, they, you know, your clients need context. They got to be able to compare, you know, what do you, you know, you know, when you go to buy something, you go on Amazon, you compare, you look at the, you know, the shoes here, you go over to JC pennies or whatever and you, you compare cars, we're comparing. And so you got to have com- uh, comparison. Well, the pricing options give your clients that comparison. And now they're comparing your pricing options and they're not searching your competitors. Okay. And that's a that's a powerful shift in your favor. And then what you do is you take credit for things you're already doing. I, I've worked with so many people and they're they're uh, they do a lot of things um, in all their their services, uh, but they're but they don't take credit for them. One of them might be a guarantee. We had a great conversation with um, Teresa McCloy. I think is probably a friend mm-hmm. of yours and um, yeah. and, um, and Dan about guarantees and and um, and. Uh, and, and if, you know, if most of us, if we have a, an upset client, we're probably either going to do whatever we can to make it right. Or if it's, it's all gone to heck in a handbasket, we're probably going to give them a refund. We'll take credit for that. So maybe you have more favorable uh, refund on your higher options. And, and what I mean by pricing options, I need to talk about this first and I'll get into a little more detail, but you know, you want to have that high anchor, your first class Bentley you know, just like the airlines, first class with a steak dinner and a glass of wine. When you get on, you get on the plane first. You got to have that service. So, in a ghostwriting space, that is direct access to Kent. Uh, tw- uh, you know, ten minute email returns. Uh, you c- you can call me on the weekend except Sunday. <laughs> you know, you can text right. me. You get you get access to my cell number, and I'm going to work with you one on one. You're going to be a priority client. I mean, that's that's my best service. You're going to get everything I got, and we're going to make you successful. Then the next tier down is maybe your mid tier option. Uh, maybe they don't get your cell phone number. Uh, maybe it's email only, or and and maybe um, the response times are seven days and not immediate, not twenty four okay. hours. Um, and the book is uh, produced less fast, you know, than than uh, than the first one. And then the low option, and is your basic one, no sell. Maybe they work with a junior writer and you just kind of oversee it. And, um, and that, to, you know, is, is no direct access to you. You have a project manager that they deal with. Um, that's the uh, sitting in uh, row 32 on Southwest <laughs> and see in the center seat, you know, right. And, and for some people, that's, that's all they want. And, and that's all they care about. And so giving those three options um, is really empowers, uh, puts the, puts the value into your, your client, and then they can look at which one of those works best for them. And then here's the other really good piece about this, Kent is, Whenever I coach people on using these pricing options is have that low option be the price doesn't feel icky. That feels like you're like, if you were going to bid them $15,000 and you feel like that's, that was like a good price for this client after you've had the conversation, Mm -hmm. that should be your low option. 
Okay. Then have a, you know, a, a, a middle option and a super high deluxe Bentley option on top of that, where you feel like, man, I, I don't think I could ever charge that. And what that'll do is you, as you do that over time with your clients, you'll slowly crawl up that uh, value ladder. And in a few months and even sooner, you'll be looking back. I go, I can't even believe I didn't start. Now I'm charging instead of 15, I'm charging 25 every time, you know, right. and, it, and it just kind of shifts. And, um, and it allows you to, to play that value game with your clients without feeling icky because you have that low option that, you know, that'll probably work, but it stretches you a little bit, um, you know, to, to get, to climb those rates and help you get over those mental, mental barriers. Because until someone pays you, you know, $25,000 for a book or, or 90 or whatever it is until you get that one, once you get that one client, then it's like the floodgates open. Now, you know, you can do it because you've done it. Boy, this is really, really fascinating. And I'm thinking about a couple of things recently that are confirming all the things you're talking <laughs> about, <clears throat> not in terms of ghostwriting, but like we went to, through the car wash three or four days ago, um, took my wife and we were just out kind of doing some errands and we went to the car wash. And we go up to, and it's one of those super fancy new ones. And they of course have three options like you're talking about. And there was something inside of me that was like, I don't care what's included in the high one. I'm not going to pay for that because I'm like, my dad is I'm channeling my father, you know, like I'm not going to pay for all this stuff. So I, <laughs> but I didn't want the cheap one because I was like, well, maybe that won't get the car that clean. So I picked the middle one. Is there, is there an element to this where there's a segment of people who will always pick the middle option in, it doesn't matter what, what they're buying. They're just kind of middle option people. Yeah, it's called extremeness aversion, and that's another oh, term that comes from uh, behavioral econ economics. Yeah, extremeness aversion. So, our clients and ourselves, we all do this. We want to avoid the extremes, so we don't want to buy the low one because we don't want to be cheap. We don't want to buy the high one because we don't want to pay too much. So, eighty percent of the time, your clients will land in that middle option, and that's okay. usually what I do. Is I usually target my my uh, clients to that middle option. And, um, you know, and I'll tailor, I'll, I'll like, that's the sweet spot. That's where I want them to go, um, to really get them. That's like the, the package I think will serve them the best at the best okay. rate and everything. And then I'll throw that low option in, in case they just like, they can't swing that, but I want to give them, you know, something that they can do, but it's not going to okay. be as involved anyway. And yeah, about 80% of the time. And so that, that middle option is what most people will take. And, um, the other day I had one and I, um, I did three options and um, I was going to, my high option was going to be $35,000. And so this was a project out in California for my consulting business. And I said, you know what? I really want to drive them to that middle option. And the middle option I think was 20 or 25. And I felt like the 35 to 25 was too close. So hmm. I bumped the, the 35 to 45 thought, you know, okay, if they take it, I can bring in another team member, you know, it'll make it a little easier for me, but yeah, totally. I doubt if they'll take it. It's too high. You know, it's too high. And I thought, okay, they're going to pick that middle option or the low option. Low option, I think, was 15, uh, 10 or 15, and then uh, 20, 25, and then I shot it up to 45. Lo and behold, they took the 45 without even asking. <laughs> and um, wow. you know, I'm now I'm, you think I'm going to serve them well? Like, heck yeah. I mean, I got another 10 grand of margin in there. And so it doesn't always, it always, sometimes it works in your favor in terms of they actually take the high option. And if you mm -hmm. had never offered that because you're only doing a single price, you would have never got that. And so that's how we grow. And isn't it important also for, for those of us doing client work to remember that not everybody is a cheapskate. There, there is a segment of people who it doesn't matter what it is. They always want the very best yes. of whatever it is. And it's not like we're just trying to extract more money from them. It's that's what they're going to be happiest with. They want the nicer thing. And some people just like to have 
bragging rights in a sense that I got the nicest thing or it's going to make their life easier or whatever it is. So, so we're almost like doing a disservice to people if we don't offer that Bentley option as you refer to it. Yeah, absolutely. So true. You know, sometimes more, what's more important to people is status, you know, and you, yeah. and you may read a guy, he's a, or a gal, you know, I was going to say a pickup, but she could be driving a pickup or blue jean and pickup kind of gal or girl, meaning a very blue collar doesn't appear to, yeah. but if you've read the millionaire next door, yep, they exactly. may be the type of person that's very wealthy because they make good decisions and they see your solution as uh, something that can fix their pain point. They're going to pick, they've got the margin, uh, the money to invest and boom, they're going to pull that trigger on that. Mm. Um, and they, and they probably drive, they probably ride first class, even, you know, some of those. <laughs> now I want to ask you a question about proposals. And then I, I want to also ask you about some things that you're working on now that you're really excited about, because they're really, really cool. And I want to hear about these, but something I've heard you mention before is this idea of doing a single page proposal, which I had never really heard of before. Um, talk about that if you can, and why that's important and, and what we should cut out of a of a longer proposal and and do with that information. <laughs> yeah, there was a there was a jam study back in the I think it was the early 2000s out in the bay area. And um and they uh they 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 put 26 uh jellies out on a on a Tuesday, Thursday. Um they were very careful time of day, time of year, demographic um in in a series of uh, of um markets in the bay area. Anyway, and so they found that when you had 26 um, uh, jellies offered, their sales plummeted. I can't remember the percentage. I mean, it was hmm. it was more than 50. It was like 40 or 50%. When they only had six, their sales skyrocketed. Wow. And what happened is it, it, it's, it's, it's called choice overload. If you give too many choices or you, you, you uh, confuse your prospects... I mean, we're all moving at the speed of light, you know, and, and, uh, you know, you need a, you need a simplified, uh, website, single call to action, you know, the whole story, Don, Donald Miller story brand kind of concept, mm -hmm. you know, make it easy, easy for people to come to your website and, and, um, and, uh, buy from you. And same thing with your proposal, your, your proposal, you know, if it's 45 pages long and, and I don't know if you, you've been on the other side of procurement, like I have Kent, but I've, you know, we get 25 proposals. We've got an RFP going out for a huge project. You know, first thing we do, we got these buying in the old days, it was binders and we, mm -hmm. we flipped to the back page of the, where the pricing sheet is and, um, and then make our decision. We, you know, they had, they had resumes and all this fluff in there. Nobody cares about all that, you know, and, and it, all it does is confuse your clients. So use a one page proposal with simple bullet items and the price, put your high anchor on the left, you know, always say, uh, say, let okay. them hear or or say or see your high anchor um, on the left. We read left to right. Put that high anchor on there. The 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 bullet points of the outcomes that you're going to provide that they're seeking by your service, um, and then they look at that one page. It'll set you apart from everybody else. They go, oh wow, this is super simple. I'd like option two. Um, okay, great. I'll send you over a contract. Now in your contract, you can put all your disclaimers and qualifiers and you know, you know, more, more, uh, more specific payment terms. Like I will put the payment terms in the single page option. So that's another thing I encourage, um, on my low option, my low priced, you know, um, economy, what is it? Want to get away seat? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I will re require a hundred percent up front. Okay. Um, and then maybe on the middle option, I'll have a 50, 50 payment option. 
And then on my high option, I'll have something more favorable to the client. I'll say only 25% down and then we'll bill on a net 30 over the next, you know, two months, six months, whatever the duration of the contract is. So the payment turns as they go up that, as they pay more, the payment terms become, or the, the, the payment terms become more favorable to them. If they want that low budget off offering, then the payment uh, terms become more favorable um, okay. To me, and so those are a lot of different ways you can you can craft that and and play around with it to see what resonates with your your client base. Hmm. This is really really good. I'd never thought about listing the pricing options left to right. So you're saying kind of like just in a column, and put the high one on the left, and that's fascinating. Yeah, we read left to right. So same thing on your web page. Whenever I go to somebody's web page, first thing I do is I I look at it on mobile because most people will look it up on mobile, and nine times out of ten the low option will come up first. Just reverse it. Make make your your mobile optimized so your high option so they see the big three thousand or thirty thousand dollar package, um, and then uh, you know or whatever it is you're selling. I mean, it probably went thirty thousand, but you know if it's a, you say you're selling an online course for fifty dollars, two hundred fifty dollars, and nine hundred fifty. Well, the nine hundred fifty should be the first number they see because that anchors the value in okay. their mind, and uh, and they'll be um, you know then they'll get they'll get down to that fifty dollar one and go oh I can afford that, and then boom you got a sale. So this would also apply to, so I lead a membership community called the Daily Writer Club. So this strategy would also apply to that. Like currently it's $47 a month to be a part of that. So I could have a lower option that maybe is just, it's just the calls. It's not part of the community or the content. Then what would you include in, as far as a community, what would you include as far as like a higher option? Would it be one-on-one calls, maybe some coaching stuff yeah. like that? All of all of the above. Um, I don't also um, three options is always a um, is like the sweet that's Goldilocks or good, better, best. That's a good place, but you don't always have to have like with visible TV. We only have two options, so two options okay. will work too, and two options is better than one. Okay. Um, and with, I found with membership sites and kind of those kind of products, two is is good. Okay. Um, but here's what you could do. Yeah, you could have a uh, you could simply have your current. Um, uh, membership at where it has, is now, but then offer a higher one, uh, you know, double, triple the price or whatever, and they get a free uh, one-hour strategy call with you. Ooh, and, and 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 you know, and that and what that does is, if someone you know, they get them in the community, so they're into your ecosystem, but they also get a bonus um, call with you that you where because they may, if they're joining, they may have some other questions, and they probably appreciate a you know one-on-one time with you, and so that's a great a great way of doing it. Yeah, if you have additional resources. PDFs or things that they wouldn't get normally in the in the membership, but you you keep maybe for your one on one clients, you might offer up a couple of those as a bonus at that higher higher price point as well. And it doesn't take more of your time; it just provides right. more value and uh, and gives your clients another way to onboard. Interesting. With you. So, like you would do that extra call like once a month or just a one off? Just a, a one off. Yeah, I set it up where they get a, a link to your Calendly and. Uh, Right after they pay that that higher premium to join your membership community, then you're, um, you know, they they just schedule a call and in and on your calendar they just block out when you would want to do those over the next yeah. months. And yeah, I mean it's a huge value add, and uh, people pay a couple hundred dollars or five hundred, you know, people will pay five hundred dollars to fifteen hundred dollars easily to to have a really you know a one on one strategy session. Maybe they don't need ongoing coaching, but they would like to have just that one strategy session just to get the cobwebs out and kind of get yeah. pointed in the right direction. Huge value. That's cool. I, I never thought about that. I love that. I'm making <laughs> notes here. Yeah, I know I'm, I'm recording this. Send but... you an invoice. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> with three pricing with options. With three options. No, with three I'm options. Kidding, I'm kidding. 
<laughs> um, well, let's hear about some other things that are not related to pricing. I know you've got a lot of other things going on. Um, share with us first about visible TV and what that is. We've mentioned that a couple of times in this conversation already, but for those who don't know what it is, if you can share about that. And then also what are some other exciting things that you're working on? I know of at least one project that's really, <laughs> really cool. So I'd love to hear about those. Yeah. appreciate that. Kent. Yeah. Visible TV is basically the Netflix streaming service for entrepreneurs and creative entrepreneurs like us. So we set out to uh, provide hope and inspiration. Uh, sometimes we don't need another, you know, 10 part framework, another strategy, another webinar. Sometimes we just need a reason to keep going hmm. and visible TV fills that void. So we're a, we're a full fledged streaming service, just like Netflix. We're on uh, Roku, iOS, Amazon, fire TV, uh, all the streaming channels, plus uh, the web and everything. So when you're at home and you're, you're ready to kick up the feed on the lazy boy and you want some good, wholesome TV, uh, you know, don't watch the news and all that stuff. Put on a uh, visible <laughs> TV. You can, you can see some great people that are just a few steps ahead of you. And, and, uh, it's done in a very cinematic film blockbuster movie style. So Kent, uh, Kendall, um, Johnson, um, my business partner, he trained under Hans Zimmer in Hollywood with, um, oh, I love uh, his stuff. You know, who's done the music for gladiator and yeah. uh, top gun Maverick, uh, Avengers. He's done all that music. So, Kendall learned that craft from Hans Zimmer. And so the music he scores for all of our episodes is very much in that, in that realm. So as these entrepreneurs are telling their story, like Shannon Mattern, who she was leaving corporate to start her side hustle, coaching women in, in web design. She, uh, she, the first time she told a client that she was a, a web designer, she felt like she lied. She felt like she was a fraud. Well, the music behind that moment is very, you know, emotionally, uh, enhancing, let's say, uh, to what she's describing in her story. And, and you can learn from that. You can see, man, these people struggle just like me, Dan Miller, who I'm sure your crowd knows of, because I'm sure you talk about him quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. He talked, he talked about, you know, you know, the story, uh, he, uh, you know, was $400,000 in debt and, and sold his, uh, his health club. And he's like, what do I do now? <laughs> I'm $400,000 in debt and I just sold this thing. And, and uh, anyway, so the music behind it and the filming is very cinematic and just beautiful, high quality, not just a YouTube video. And you can um, you can get it on all the channels. And uh, we've got um, some great guests on there. We've had Mike Kim and Shannon Mattern, our friend David Hancock from Morgan James mm -hmm. Publishing, Nick Pavlidis, uh, Honoré Corridor. I mean, there's just and we've got a lot of other uh, great guests coming and, and, the, and the network's going to just keep growing and just be a great resource for creative entrepreneurs like us. Man, I love it. I love it. It's good stuff. Well, thank you. I, I, I wish, uh, I wish, uh, you know, there's those, we all have those moments, you know, and, and I've had a few nights waking up, uh, going, Oh man, is this going to work, you know, and stuff. <laughs> but, uh, when I hear people, uh, uh, say those kinds of things, so it, it keeps us encouraged and, um, keeps, keeps the vision alive. Now I know you have a project that's coming out next year that you are currently working on. Share with us what that's all about. Cause I think this is, I mean, visible TV is really, really cool. And this is, like you, you're adding another whammy on top of something that's already really cool. Yeah, this is going to be our flagship, like what we're known for. So we have the the docu series, the mini docu series, and we've done some live shows and some 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 university teaching on visible on the network. But we're going to be launching this full length film documentary called The Creator Revolution. Okay. So it's going to be a full length documentary. This will be uh, like right now, all of our content is on visible TV. So this documentary will not only be on visible TV that you'll be able to buy as a standalone product, 
but it'll also be on Amazon Prime, um, IMDb registered, just like a regular film. So it'll be right up there next to all the great, you know, films uh, that you can find. And um, and we're interviewing some uh, some great people uh, in the creator space. Um, we're hoping to maybe get Nathan Nathan Berry. Um, we've got interviews scheduled with Michael Hyatt and um, and John Lee Dumas, um, uh, Julia McCoy from uh, Content Hacker, and so mm-hmm. and we've got some TikTok some twenty something TikTokers that are you know have six million followers that are making six figures a year, and so we're going to basically take all of those and put that into a really compelling story and talk about the the history of kind of the the whole information how we've gone from the um industrial age to the information age and and there's a saying now um the information we've gone from the information uh age to the um the age of insight and how mm. creators and this is there's 50 that's million good. of us out there and with the pandemic that's really pushed a lot of people into doing their own thing um this will be that documentary that you can point to and go look mom I'm not crazy <laughs> there's actually people making a living and doing <laughs> what we're doing uh that that have a a nice shirt on top and basketball shorts on the bottom when they're zoom calling, <laughs> you know, in, into their, uh, into their board, uh, board meetings. So, um, uh, literally I'm wearing gonna, shorts right now. Yeah. See, so that's what we're all about. And, uh, we want to embrace that, provide hope and inspiration to all of the creators out there. Uh, we're looking for a January 28th, uh, 2023, um, fill, uh, uh, invite or, um, sorry, screening here in Nashville. Okay. Um, and that's on our one year anniversary. And um, we're hoping to do that at the Franklin Theater and uh, pack the house and um, have a big spectacle about it. And then it'll be released on all the channels like Prime and Google Play and all that good stuff. I can't wait for that to come out. I can't wait to see it, but also help support it because there's a lot of people in my life who probably still look at what I do and then go, why doesn't he have a regular job? When is <laughs> exactly. he going to get a real job? Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure yeah, that's, that's really common. That is so common. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just just the, you know, the whole idea about making living online or through social media or through that. I mean, it, it, there's, 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 there's still a lot of people stuck in legacy, what I call legacy thinking, hmm. um, you know, which is very much embodied in the um, industrial, especially people our age, you know, boomers and, and Gen Xers are very, you know, go to, go to work for one company, stay there for 30 years, retire. You know, those days are relatively over for the most yeah. part. I mean, it's, the power's back with us and uh, being creators and uh, entrepreneurs is where we're, is the sweet spot for, for a lot of people. Paul, this has been an absolute blast. I'm so thrilled that you were able to take the time to be on the show today. I took a lot of notes, more than more notes than I have taken on any <laughs> recent podcast interview. Actually, this is, I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to all this. So this is so helpful. And I just want to take a second to acknowledge all the value that you're adding into the world with visible, your pricing strategies, info, um, the documentary coming up and all the other cool stuff you're doing. Plus you're a musician. You got guitars on the wall behind you. So so many awesome things that you're doing. And I'm just so thrilled that we've been able to connect here today and appreciate how this is helping me personally. And also is going to make a big difference in our listeners' lives. So thanks again. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Honored to be here, Kent. And, uh, and, uh, I hope, uh, hope your audience found some value from that. And, um, Go out there and get after it and keep your head up high and uh, life is good and great time to be alive. Absolutely. Thanks again. This has been a blast. Thank you. Well, I hope that you not only enjoyed that conversation and had fun with it, even more so, I hope that you took notes. I took a bunch of notes from this interview and I just really appreciated Paul sharing these strategies. These are things that I've already started to implement in my business. In fact, as soon as I got done with that 
conversation back when we recorded it a few weeks ago, I actually used one of his strategies in a uh, ghostwriting proposal that I sent to a client. And the strategy that I used was instead of, so, so normally when I, I send out a proposal, I always include different levels that they can engage with me on. You know, it's, it's sort of like, here's the, the least expensive option. Here's the middle of the road. Here's the highest option. And so instead of listing them left to right from least expensive to most expensive, I actually reversed that. So I went most expensive, middle of the road, and then least expensive. And I thought, what a simple thing. But it totally makes sense because our eyes always go to the left first. That's just how we read. You know, that, that's how English speakers are used to reading. And I had never realized that that was a great strategy. So I did. And um, I found that that was really, really helpful. So I hope you, again, took notes because there's a lot of really, really great tips here. Hope that you check out Visible TV. It's visibletv.com. And there is, again, is a link in the show notes for you to get seven days of Visible TV for free, which is a pretty cool deal. Also make sure and connect with Paul on social media. There will be links in the show notes as well. I want to thank Paul for taking time out to do this conversation. Paul is such a great guy. Not only that, he really cares about people and he's such a humble guy. I mean, for having achieved so much in his life, he just is so easygoing and very easy to talk to, as you've heard here in this episode. So thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.